Welcome in 8x80 podcast, the Nebraska Talk Radio edition, Austin Ham, Tyler Smith. And Tyler, we have made it through week seven. We are staring down the barrel of week eight and kind of feels like week seven was a little bit of an appetizer, a little bit of precursor here to set up for a big time week eight. Yeah, a lot of these week eight matchups are going to be extremely important for district titles and really just kind of how the playoffs all end up seeding each other, home field advantages, stuff like that. But like you said, we got a little bit of a taste into what week eight and those playoffs are going to look like. And that that first taste that we got was our overall number one ranked cross county over there in D1 taking on Clarkson Lee in a big physical matchup. That game ended up in cross county's favor, 58 to 12. Um this game started off a little bit close um, due to some broken tackles by that Clarkson Lee team where Cross County, I think maybe that weaker schedule kind of bit them a little bit early. And then they managed to start popping some pads, kind of loosening up and taking care of business there. Um, Isaac Dickey actually finally got enough carries to get into our stat lines for our main Wednesday show that we'll be doing. So glad to see him kind of get a full workload game and be really impressive in that workload do want to kind of note that uh, Dylan Higby for Clarkson Lee did go down that second possession of the game. Really unfortunate injury there. It sounds like from everything we're hearing, that's going to be, he's going to be out for the year. So a major blow to the Patriots there. Um, but Cross County looked really impressive in this one, both when Higby was in the game and when he wasn't as well. Yeah, that was really, I think you hit it with the relearn football a little bit there in the first quarter quarter and a half really where it's oh we have a team that we can't just immediately push over and completely dominate from the gun but we do have to keep battling through here and eventually they find their way to making those explosive plays Isaac Dickey like you mentioned was just absolutely awesome and I was watching a little bit of this one and then I don't know if I just hadn't caught it on tape. Haven't watched a ton of Cross County so far this year, obviously because of they've just dom the way they've dominated their schedule. But they've got one formation where it's like a single wing shotgun. So they've got the quarterback back there. They've got Dickey as the back on his hip, and then they've got Hollinger as the wing off to the side. And I don't know, just something about the Illinois tight end and the Nebraska fullback just lined up next to each other as up men back there in the back. But that's just, I, it almost feels like something that you're primed to run misdirection out of just because when you see those two guys and who they are and the types of stars and how well known they are, that's just, there's no way that doesn't just absolutely rattle a defense and just force every, that's where everybody's eyes are going to be every single time. I mean, it's horrifying. You've got two division one guys standing there. Like either of them could get the ball and come right at you. So it's just, it's a really interesting way to utilize the really unique set of talent that they have. Yeah. And I think we've talked about a couple different times how they got uh, Tanner Hollinger more involved in that passing game and it really wasn't needed in this one only had the one catch for 36 yards um, but he did play an extremely important role defensively had uh, 13 total tackles Alex Noyd the other senior really impressive with 15 there Isaac Dickey rounding it out with 14 so they really got a lot of production both offensively and defensively from their their big three essentially They've got a really tough matchup coming up with uh, their rivals of Shelby Rising City, a battle of battle of unbeatens going in for the district title here. So that's a really important week eight matchup that 
is going to look like two absolute juggernauts going at it. This is this is essentially a playoff game that you're getting for the regular season price in that one. Um, another game that really felt like a playoff game was Highline taking on Alma. Uh, they ended up pulling it out uh, with a 56 to 32 win. Um, this one was also very similar to that cross county Clarkson Lee game where it was extremely close early and then the Bulls were able to just kind of pull away late. Um, you got to respect that Alma was able to kind of hang in there. They've been really banged up with some injuries. Um, we've seen two of their more productive guys on the sidelines on crutches. Um, so the fact that they were able to stick in with this really high powered Highline offense is really impressive. Highline also suffered a pretty big injury. Um, to senior nose guard Drew Knauser. Um From everything we're hearing, it sounds like it's going to be an ACL, so he's also going to be out for the season. Um, you really hate to see that for the Bulls as they were just kind of getting back into full strength. Um, getting uh, Trayton Evans back to full strength and kind of just really kind of stepping in their own. We talked about how they were one of those teams that with even with that one loss, they could be a real problem for some matchups in the playoffs. They're going to need some some guys to step up, especially up front with that senior Drew going out. Yeah, just losing a guy like that in the trenches, that's one of the hardest things to replace at any level of football. And certainly in eight-man high school football, having a big, a big body and a talented big body at that, it's just really hard to just have those guys up and down your roster. And so that's going to be a huge hole that they have to fill. And like we said, it just... It bums you out because, again, this team obviously has one of the best individual stars in the game in Riker Evans, and we were just hoping that they could piece together enough around them to really give themselves a shot to contend here. And like you said, things seem to be rounding back into shape, and just when it does, an injury knocks them out. And I mean, they trailed this game at halftime, 18 to 14, and then I think scored 36 points in the third quarter to blow it open and take control of it. But I. Like you said, one thing that I really, that I took away from this, and this was probably a very selfish way to look at it, though, was uh, Alma is a team that you and I really, really like this year. And listen, they are not who we thought they would be without Ryan Kermode and Tucker Biscup. But for them to go into a game like this, like you said, shorthanded, and still be able to really go toe-to-toe and play a really competitive game with an incredibly talented Highline team, that to me, kind of justified how we felt about Alma, even if their ceiling is ultimately lower than what it was and they're going to finish with four or five wins on the season. Still feel good about how we saw that Alma team. Still feel good about this high-line offense. I still think they're going to be explosive. They're still going to be dangerous. Again, Riker and Trayton Evans are basically house calls from any point on the field, both of them at any time. So this is a team that's going to remain dangerous, but it does feel like they've maybe taken a little bit of a step back. Yeah, and I think where it hurts the most is going to be defensively. Just just the way that Drew was able to kind of set that middle um, and push things to the edges where, where they have the speed and are able to kind of rally to the ball that way, I think is going to be where the impact is felt the most in that, in terms of that loss there. Um, but you're right in terms of Alma and kind of what we saw going into the season and kind of what we saw early on in the season – that's going to be a really good and their season's not over by any means. They still have some pieces that can really kind of shake things up, especially as we get into the playoffs, but they're going to be a team that's going to be really, really impressive next year as well. Um, so one to keep an eye out for that one. Um, next, next in the games that we kind of kept an eye on. Um, this is actually a team that we, we kind of felt 
we were a little too low on and a little late to the party, and they were really impressive in this one as well. Um, and that's Exeter Milligan Friend getting the two-point win over Johnson County Central, referring to that Johnson County team as the one that we were kind of late to the party on. Um, in terms of this game, though, it's another good notch in the belt for EMF. Um, but really, it just kind of screams to me that JCC is legit. They can play with the best of them. They've had a couple good good impressive performances the last couple weeks um and we probably should have been respecting them earlier especially the defense right i mean i think we kind of got fooled a little bit we weren't keeping a tight eye on them they lost in week three to lords um last even just last week they gave up 44 points to palmyra but we've said that about so many good teams that have played palmyra where good luck keeping them off the board with drew with drew Earhart and just what he is as a quarterback so we just, again, weren't taking this team seriously enough, I don't think. I mean, you look at this, they still, yeah, they lose. Yeah, Brecken Schluter has 160 yards and three touchdowns, but they held him to his lowest yards per carry on the season. We have talked so much about what an outstanding, just dynamic ball carry that Brecken Schluter is and how that he really just makes this extra million friend offense go. And listen, he, Still was really productive, but they held him to 5.1 yards per carry, which I know sounds like a big number, but again, that is his largest number of the season by far. It's the only time he's been held under six yards per carry on the year. He's just so just to be able to slow down a guy like that, I think makes you just have to have to have to respect this Johnson County Central team more than you and I have been. And I think we're glad that we at least caught on to this before the playoffs because. Again, this was a really competitive game that they played with Exeter Milligan Friend, and now they're lined up for what should be a really fun matchup on Thursday night against Thayer Central. Yeah, and that's one that I'm definitely going to be diving into is that Thayer Central game. Um, they've got a good good stream over there on YouTube. Um, really, the two Thursday night games, as, as we'll talk about another team that's going to be playing Thursday night here in just a second, but the two Thursday night games have my attention more than the NFL Thursday night game between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Um, just just two really good games that are going to be coming up and two teams that I really want to see a closer look at in JCC. So going to be keeping an eye out for that one on that Thursday night kickoff. Um, let's just talk about another team that's going to be playing on Thursday night, and that's going to be the Elkhorn Valley Falcons. They got a big win, 38-12 to over Lutheran High and Northeast this past week. This is another team that we were kind of late to the party on. They've just been kind of finding ways to win games ever since that loss to Stanton. Um, they really didn't have the massive explosive plays outside of Travis Halsey this past week, um, but they managed to do enough to win the game um, and win it by multiple scores. As you're comparing kind of apples to apples, they, they play Plainview this week for a district title and to take down one of D1's unbeaten teams. This is two teams that are very familiar with each other. They're not that far down the road from each other. Both teams just played Lutheran High Northeast not that long ago. It's very similar score-wise. I mean, this is another Thursday night game that is going to be extremely, extremely important. And the Falcons are really starting to build some momentum, and we've seen Plainview kind of struggle at times against teams like Lutheran High Northeast where they were up big, came out of that lightning delay, maybe a little bit flat, and let Lutheran High Northeast back into the game. So this is one where... It's got a lot of attention in terms of what these two teams are going to be able to do as it almost feels like a first-round playoff-type matchup. It really does, and it feels like Elkhorn Valley has just slowly but surely pushed their way into the conversation 
as this year has worn on. They've been playing really, really well. This was a really impressive win. And I'm excited to watch them play Plainview. And like you said, it's a Thursday game, which this is a week that's a little bit heavier on the Thursday game. So it won't have quite, you know, quite the ability to be such a standalone game. A lot of times when you wind up with those Thursdays, you wind up with extra eyes on you just because there isn't a lot of other ball being played. But that's a massive one here. This was this is a team that we're, we weren't, weren't high on to begin the season and we're, we're late to the party now. And they're taking on a team in Plainview that, frankly, to begin the season, we weren't very high on, and we're probably a little late to part to the party on them as well. So I think this is a big opportunity for both of those squads, really. They can both notch a really important win before the playoffs, and I think that's going to make this a really competitive, really fun, really compelling matchup to check out here to close out the D1 season. Uh, another D1 game, and the final one that we really wanted to dive into from Week 7 that was weeping water. They got back over on top of a high-quality opponent. They beat Elmwood Murdoch 20-6. to They took those two losses early in the season, but we have said it every time they have come up, every single time that Weeping Water has played against just about anybody, we've said this is a good team. This is still a good Weeping Water Indians team. Elmwood Murdoch is solid, and they handled them 20-6. to Weeping Water played that tough schedule like they did last year, and it feels like off of this one, you can see how that schedule preps them for a playoff win. The most impressive thing to me is, again, with this one, is the defense. Elmwood Murdoch has really made their money, hung their hat on what they can be offensively throughout this season. It's been just points on points on points. This is the first time all year that they've been held under 42, and they were held to six. So hats off to the Weeping Water defense. Hats off to that team, to the Weeping Water team for staying the course and... I don't feel like they're going to be sneaking up on people quite as much as they did during the playoffs last year. No, and and really the key compared to this year to last year is, is the the big win week one against that Palmyra team that we know. We've, we've talked about how good that offense can be with Drew Earhart. They held them to just 12 points. This one against Elman Murdoch, where you talked about it, this is the first time they've really kind of been held in check offensively, held them to just six. They're going to be going into the playoffs this season in a lot better spot than they were last season where you're not having to play one of those top three seeds um, and can really kind of get, get some things going, get some home fields going early. Um, I actually caught some flack from somebody not that long ago about how we keep bringing up these weeping water Indians and how, Oh, well, they lost to Johnson Brock. They lost to Stanton. Yeah. And that's Johnson Brock. Who's one of the top teams in D two and Stanton. Who's one of the top teams in D one. So those two losses are acceptable and this team is good. Like it's just like last year where we're not going to be fooled twice in terms of what, what we see in terms of weeping water. They've got, got some really talented athletes down there. They're going to be kind of getting some, some momentum going. And really, I just think we've kind of hit on it where the defense has really kind of been stepping up, um, especially as of late, once they got past those two juggernaut offenses, um, and Johnson, Brock, and Stanton um, really kind of finding themselves before they get into the playoffs here. And like you talked about, that Elmwood Murdoch team is going to be good. They're going to be solid coming into the playoffs as well. So don't don't just kind of write them off because of the fact that they lost to a five and two team. I mean, find me a tougher two game stretch and like in anybody's schedule than and, Johnson, Brock, Stanton back to back. Like that's 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 murder. That's absolute murder. <laughs> and they were both on the road 
you're at yeah. Johnson Brock and you're at Stanton. It's so just brutal. Like I, you, you can't. It's so hard to hold that against a team. And yeah, a one and two record is a one and two record. We only have eight weeks of the season, whatever. But again, our eyes still tell us, and we try. You and I, I think, both really try to make sure we're using our eyes and not just reading box scores and just and just checking records. We're trying to trust our eyes a little bit with what a quality team is, and we have felt that about Weeping Water. It's nice to see them notch this win over Elmwood Murdoch to kind of put that in put that in red ink. So, yes, Weeping Water, still really solid, still really excited to see them into the playoffs. Another another box score that kind of jumped jumped out to us between games that kind of felt important momentum wise and power points wise was twin loop getting a 34 to 30 win over elm creek um that moves twin loop to five and two on the season and they've got a massive test coming up this week with central valley where the if they pull that one off it's really going to shake some things up in terms of seeding power points etc um that's a massive massive game coming up yeah, and Quincy Riker is really rounded into form well for Twin Loop. I think he's got close to 600 yards rushing across the last two games. He has just really kind of hit his stride. And so to see a really explosive individual talent in a, a team that's really coming together, they started out the year with some injuries. I don't think Quincy Riker played the first two weeks of the season even for the Twin Loop. But they're rolling now, and this is a big game. And Central Valley hasn't had a ton of big games so far this season, so it'll be fun to see those two kind of go toe-to-toe here to close things out. Uh, Perkins County played an interestingly close one. This is a really, been a really quality Perkins County Plainsman team, but 44-38 to over a Maxwell team that hasn't been ter- tremendously strong this year, but they, they got it done, and this is probably, a, there's a couple of things here. Is one, sometimes you're going to play some clunkers. Can you win your clunkers? Perkins County did that here. And also, too, definitely a look-ahead situation because Perkins County closes out the year with North Platte-St. Pat's. You know for a fact that the Plainsmen are looking at the game even probably for the last two, three weeks that they have been looking forward to that Week 8 matchup with North Platte-St. Pat's. Perkins County only loss this year is to that really Dundee County Stratton team, and that was a two-score loss way back in Week 2. So Perkins County feels like they've got a lot of a lot in front of them and you know that coming in at six and one going into the game against North Platte St. Pat's they feel like this is an opportunity for them so I don't like completely writing off games because again we only get eight data points in the season but again you win your clunkers and you have the opportunity where it's probably a look ahead game I don't want to I don't want to read too much into the fact that Perkins County was only able to beat Maxwell by a touchdown yeah, I agree. I think they kind of uh, the Plainsmen caught themselves looking ahead a little bit towards that North Platte St. Pat's game. Um, like you said, when when you're when your games that you need to win um, and just kind of advance, survive in advance, essentially um, as close as we are to the playoffs, that's kind of got to be the mentality shift anyway. You just got to beat the teams that are in front of you, and it doesn't matter if you beat them by forty. It doesn't matter if you beat them by two, one. Doesn't matter as long as you get the win. But really, I mean, they've got an awesome opportunity this week to try and take on the two-year consensus number one overall team in that North Platte St. Pat's Irish. Um, just a really good opportunity going into the playoffs where even even if you don't come away with the win in that one, you've like you've still got a chance to prove 
to yourselves some different things going into the playoffs and kind of see where you measure up, where you match up. And if you're able to pull that off, again, a lot of these week eight matchups really mess with the power points, really mess with the playoff seedings um, and put teams that maybe we're kind of thinking is towards the middle tier or kind of back end of the playoffs. They could launch themselves up and move some of those top juggernauts down quite a bit, especially as we get into some of the matchups we're going to talk about this upcoming week in D2. Yeah, and this upcoming week is just, I mean, let's just, let's just move to it because this is a smoking hot slate of games, dude. This is outstanding. We talked about a couple of them that are on Thursday. There's a nice laundry list of them on Friday. There's a lot more Thursday games this week with teams trying to get that ex- get that day back as they prep for the first round of playoffs next week that'll be on Thursday. But, I'm, I mean, where do you even want to start here? There's literally, we've we've got seven games listed, and usually we're scratching and clawing to get to five for the pick segment on the regular show, but we got seven games written out here. I don't even know where to begin. Well, we can just kind of, I'll, I'll just run through the two Thursday night ones that we've got highlighted again real quick. That's uh, Elkhorn Valley. They're going to be traveling over to Plainview to take on the Pirates there. Um, that's a game that I'm really excited for ever since Elkhorn Valley kind of came onto our radar. Plainview has been getting a lot of hype this season. I think these are two teams that match up really well athlete-wise. Um, some guys that can really get some things done in space. Like you've got Spencer Hilly, Gage Walton over there in Plainview. Um, there's a... Um, is it Maverick Haverman over uh, there, yeah. over yeah. there at Elkhorn Valley? That's been impressive in the open space. Um, uh, the younger Allendick kid has also been really impressive over there. Um, that's one that I'm really excited for. And then obviously that Johnson County Central at their Central Thursday night game as well. So I, I know what I'm doing Thursday night. First of all, I'm going to be at a volleyball game, watching the wife try and out coach the sister-in-law. But I'm definitely going to be having one of these two games going instead of. Thursday night football on my phone for sure. I yeah, these are just outstanding. I'm excited for the both of these games to be kind of in a position where I can kind of focus on these two because like we said, feeling like we're a little late to the party on both Elkhorn Valley and Johnson County Central. So love a uh, week eight where I don't have a whole lot of extra games that I'm trying to keep track of where I can focus on these two and see what we can learn about these teams and mentioned Friday. There is plenty on Friday as well. We already mentioned St. Pat's is at Perkins County, the Shelby rising city at cross County and the twin loop at central Valley. We mentioned all those a couple other massive ones though. Ravenna they're undefeated and they are at Riverside and Ravenna I think is they're kind of sneaking up on us the same way Johnson County central is Tyler in terms of if they can come around and win this game, I, we're going to have to start the playoffs where with uh, mea culpa for Ravenna Blue Jays. Yeah, and I think this is exactly what they did last year where they kind of snuck up on us as well. Um, maybe part of that is due to the, the strength of schedule early on, um, kind of getting them behind behind the eight ball a little bit, but if they're, yeah, if they're able to pull off this Riverside win, um, they're going to be looking pretty well coming into playoffs. Um, a game that I'm actually going to be at Friday night is going to be that Bloomfield over there at why not. Um, this is one that if, if you're D two fans and your D two playoff teams, this is one that shakes up a lot. Um, really, really important game um, for both teams. Why not's been really impressive the whole season as they've knocked off Howell's Dodge. They knocked off a young St. Francis team that was really rallying. 
and then Bloomfield with with the one kind of true test on the schedule that they've had so far, uh, stumbling against that Crofton team, only being able to put up two points. This is one where it's it's pretty much must win for both teams because it because of how it'll shake out in terms of the playoffs and kind of where that's all going to be seeding. Um, so that one, that's one that I'm really excited for. I'm gonna have to brave. Sounds like we're gonna be dealing with some some cooler temps and probably some rain. So have to get the the big old coat out for that one. And last year, this team played twice, once in gate, once in the quarterfinals, and both were just absolute classics. And you pretty much got the same cast of characters. There's a few guys that moved on and a few guys that have grown into new roles, but a lot of the stars are a lot of the same names for both Why Not and Bloomfield this season. So it's really, really exciting to kind of see the redux of that again. This has been a game that has been circled on the schedule for the entirety of basically the last 24 months is this should be an outstanding game. Both teams have mostly done what they needed to. Like you said, Bloomfield certainly stubbed their toe pretty aggressively against Crofton, but they're still, that's their only loss and they're still in position to be a top four or five ish type seed. If they can win this one, why not looking at a top two to three seed? If they can win it, this should be just everything you want. Styles make fights. Uh, if you like a little bit more throwing the ball around the yard, why not? I'll do that. If you like that ground to pound, you know, Bloomfield's always going to bring that into the mix. You've got tremendous athletes on both sides. This should just be one of one of the best games of the year, probably. And it's coming in an absolutely awesome spot. But all right, that's seven games that we're going to be trying to keep an eye on across this weekend. And I, I, man, it just feels like this is just such a perfect preamble for playoffs. Yeah, this this honestly feels like it is playoffs, um, especially with how much is on the line for so many different teams in these seven games that we've highlighted. Um, perfect little warm up um, where teams get to test themselves, get get an opportunity to prove themselves and kind of improve their positioning um, for the weeks to come. So really excited for some pre playoff football. And I can't I can't wait for Thursday, Friday night. No, it's going to be fantastic. But I think that is going to do it for this week's Nebraska Talk Radio Show. Uh, remember, if you want to listen to this Monday, Tuesday, you can catch it exclusively on Nebraska Talk Radio. If you're listening in the podcast feed on Wednesday, if you want it earlier, go find it on Nebraska Talk Radio. Uh, make sure you're tuned into our socials and website throughout the week. We'll be getting our updated top tens heading into week eight out here, out here in the next couple of days. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, our normal weekly show. Uh, otherwise, thanks for following along with us. Still happy to be a part of Nebraska Talk Radio, and we will talk to you guys later. See ya.